Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. South Bend School Board decided this week to follow CDC guidelines and require everyone in their schools to wear face masks this fall. But many other local districts are bucking that guidance. Mishawaka Superintendent Wayne Barker says masks will be optional there. We're trying to balance a lot of competing interests throughout this whole thing. Um, you know, and, and there are many things that we're trying to mitigate. Certainly, um, a child can influence another child and, and happens whether it's COVID or not. Uh, every day in school. And so dealing with COVID is not any different, but we feel like the consequences to our educational process and to our students' social-emotional well-being um, are greater. Uh, so right now, that's that's the plan. Uh, and we, we say to those parents, uh, if that's how you feel, make sure that your children wear masks, and we certainly support them to wear masks. In Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has said the state will leave mask requirements up to local school districts to decide on their own. The CDC recommendations come as the Delta variant of COVID-19 spreads rapidly across the country with stronger impacts in areas with lower vaccination rates. A new program aims to get more people vaccinated in southwest Michigan. More than half of eligible residents in Berrien and Van Buren counties have received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine, but it's only about 38 percent in Cass County. Health officials are looking to encourage 70 percent of Michiganders 12 and up to get at least one dose. They're hoping to add understanding and a personal touch for people completely sure about getting the COVID-19 vaccine. We know that sometimes the messenger matters more than the message. Southwest Michigan is looking for vaccine champions. A vaccine champion looks like anyone. Um, it could be a 16-year-old who chose to get the vaccine because they want their school year to be as normal as possible. It could be uh, a 73-year-old who decides that this is the best thing to do, not only for their, uh, for their older friends, but for their grandchildren. It could be someone like me who's working and raising a family and has older parents who knows that this is the best way for us to overcome this pandemic in our community. This is an effort by local health officials and organizations to get people to promote facts about COVID-19 vaccinations with friends and neighbors. We believe that our vaccine champions will be crucial in helping us combat that harmful misinformation that is swirling around the vaccines and making sure that we can increase those vaccination rates for further community-wide protection against the virus. Wade says approaching the subject with understanding instead of judgment and shame helps people really share what's holding them back from getting the vaccine. It feels like every time as a community we take two steps forward, something like the Delta variant hits us and makes us take one step back. But as a community, the more steps we can take forward together, the better off we'll be. Because two steps forward, one step back is still one step forward. Vaccine champions will be provided training, a monthly stipends, or mini grant awards to increase outreach. WSBT 22's Ronnie Doss reporting. 
Penn Harris Madison District leaders gave a presentation about their social-emotional learning and diversity, equity, and inclusion curricula Monday at Penn High School. And they say the once-a-week lessons for elementary through high school students will help them get the knowledge and skills needed for well-being and personal and professional success. Some parents I spoke with agree that those are good skills, but others don't believe school is the place to learn them. Some examples of SEL lessons in the parent meeting include identifying emotions at the elementary level, setting goals in middle school, and studying the brain's anatomy and emotional awareness in high school. PHM's social-emotional learning director, Jennifer Sears, says the Indiana Department of Education indicates that the curriculum helps students evolve into positive and contributing members of society, and the Department of Workforce Development echoes that. Parent Robert Jerzak says the meeting was informative and helpful. And they seem pretty consistent to what they were showing and teaching as far as the guidelines from the state of Indiana. So I was, and it's been a, uh, I just talked to the principal who had my kids. PHM's diversity, equity, and inclusion officer also laid out information in the district's DEI curriculum. Derek White says it's only for high school students and it's not critical race theory. Some of the DEI topics covered are implicit bias, microaggressions, racism, and anti-racism. White says each lesson is developed with IDOE competency and employability skills. PHM alumni Chuck Elam says the district used to have little diversity, but now these programs are teaching kids to be empathetic. I actually have had some bad experiences at Penn when I was in high school, but that was quite a few years ago. But from what I saw in there, I think they have done stuff to address it over the years. But not all parents are convinced the curriculum is right for their kids. A woman who didn't want to speak on camera told me that schools don't need to teach children the social-emotional learning curriculum and that parents are able to teach those skills to kids at home. And that's allowed for parents to opt out of the lessons. Jerzak says that's important. That would be a, go a long way to be a lot more flexible and allow parents to have more freedom and choices as far as how their kids are being taught. The SEL director says that the curriculum slides will be on the PHM website for parents to see before school starts. WSBT 22's Caroline Torrey reporting. Students in our area head back to school this month, and for many that means setting the early alarm clock once again. Sleep experts say when children get good sleep, they learn better in the classroom. Dr. Douglas Liepert with the Center for Sleep and Nasal Sinus Disorders in South Bend says your child's brain makes important connections during sleep. Watch for the signs. Effects of poor sleep could include crankiness, inattentiveness, distraction, but those are signs of other issues as well. That's why when a child is diagnosed with ADHD, doctors will often want to check their sleep as well. Dr. Douglas Liepert owns the Center for Sleep and Nasal Sinus Disorders in South Bend. He says your child's brain makes important connections during sleep, and when that's interrupted during the night, it can impact them during the day. He says children should be a carefully and oftentimes the two issues sleep issues and ADHD go hand in hand sleep is important sleep is going to affect how well our kids learn it's going to affect how well they grow it affects the immune system if you suppress somebody's sleep so you sleep deprive them you can show that they don't react to immunizations properly. He recommends for all kids making sure your child has a good sleep routine, good sleep habits, go to bed at the same time each night, keep their room dark and cool at 65 degrees, and ditch the electronics before bedtime. Those sleep practices could help them get a better night's sleep every night. And you should ask your pediatrician if you have questions about your own child. They'll refer you to their next step. It's important to remember it's not either or. It's not either sleep issues or ADHD. Dr. Liepert says sometimes there's an overlap, so they could have a little bit of both. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting.
The director of South Bend's Community Police Review Office doubled down this week, saying he will serve in that position as long as he has the, quote, confidence of the public. Mayor James Mueller called on Josh Reynolds to resign or be fired because of past suspensions when he was an Indianapolis police officer. Reynolds reiterated his plans to stay at a Monday online town hall meeting. That town hall was supposed to be for Reynolds to update the public on his progress in organizing the office, but the conversation quickly turned to whether the office is even needed and his past disciplinary record. Once the board is During a virtual town hall, Josh yeah. Reynolds, the director of South Bend's new community police review office, said he's still working on establishing the office, including building a budget and figuring out resources. But that's not what people asking questions seem to care about. You expect the number of complaints to go up dramatically uh, to cover the costs of, uh, to make it worth the costs of this uh, board. South Bend FOP President Harvey Mills, who has long opposed the office and Reynolds, questioned the necessity of the office. He cited numbers showing only two use of force complaints last year, but those numbers also show there were 36 complaints altogether. Because of this community review board, you will have more people come forward that feel more comfortable. Reynolds has been a controversial figure for a number of reasons, including his past discipline record as an Indianapolis cop. Our partners at the South Bend Tribune uncovered that he was suspended seven times in roughly nine years. I feel this is a very uh, sacred mission that we are trying to achieve here. Uh, and I think it's important that uh, we not delay this any further. Uh, if I did step down, then this creation of this office really comes to a screeching halt. Mayor James Mueller has publicly called for Jones to fire Reynolds or for him to step down. Both have brushed off those requests and Reynolds says he's not going anywhere. I will continue to stay in this office uh, so long as I have the support of Clerk Jones and the support of the community. A spokesperson for the mayor reiterated his calls for Reynolds to step down or be fired. He also told us, quote, the longer the sideshow continues, the more damage it does. Clerk Jones said today she plans to hold more town halls in the future. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. Millions in new grants are coming to northern Indiana. You may remember the Regional Cities Initiative from a few years ago. Now a new initiative called the READY Program is providing new opportunities for additional funding for communities. The READY grants are making a lot more money available. In 2015, the Regional Cities Initiative offered $42 million in grants for our area. This new program is getting the opportunity for close to $50 million. A potential economic boost for the counties of St. Joseph, Elkhart, and Marshall it's not just a boost for business, but also for the people living in our communities. Several years ago, we did a project called the Regional Cities Program. Uh, Regional Cities brought $42 million into the community and leveraged almost $400 million of new investment. And, and, and that investment all aimed at, at, again, making the area more attractive for people uh, to stay. But this time around, things are a little different. There's a new name, this time going by the acronym READY. Ray sees this as an opportunity for the three counties to work together towards the common goal of bettering the community. And READY is, is really another chance for regions to come together um, and execute on their economic development plan. So we anticipate up to $50 million being available to our region. For Mark Tarner, the owner of all South Bend Chocolate Company locations, this grant couldn't be coming at a better time. Construction is going on for another chocolate company location, west of South Bend Airport. And despite running into necessary pauses due to COVID, construction is back on and moves are being made. We've kept it going and you can see in the background we have all kinds of equipment. We've got the pad ready and uh, for me it's going to make the difference between uh, making it happen and not. 
Turner isn't just making another chocolate company location, though. He's also opening up an Indiana dinosaur museum in what he hopes to be a tourist attraction, but knows that this will take time. We can make it happen. I'll have to do it in stages. I'll have to build. You know, it's a two-part. My, my project is two things. Perhaps we can do it in stages over five or six or ten years. The deadline for project ideas to be submitted by the three-county region is the end of September. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. Electric vehicle maker Last Mile Solutions and the University of Notre Dame are working on a project to make the vehicles better. Notre Dame is partnering with the new electric vehicle manufacturer in our area. Electric Last Mile Solutions is working on a pilot program with the university. One of the company's urban delivery vehicles is now on campus. Notre Dame says it is a step that couples help with the university that accelerates its efficiency and sustainability goals. And ELMS CEO James Taylor says that the partnership provides both parties with a valuable learning experience. So they're learning and then we're learning by putting them in the hands of uh, customers and getting that feedback for us uh, so we can alter, of course, and adapt our uh, next generations of products, but also we can expand our footprint and the uh, sales in this particular area of universities. The vehicle also includes a device that provides hourly updates to make sure it's healthy, working, and if it isn't, why not? Taylor says the pilot will last another couple of weeks. The University of Notre Dame says that it will have more to share with us this fall about this whole project. WSBT 22's Jennifer Copeland reporting. Marijuana took center stage at a local festival last weekend. It was the first cannabis music festival in Niles. Beyond music and marijuana, the event was about education. Organizers and vendors were excited to share the health benefits of marijuana at the festival. We got over the pandemic. We're out here smoking, getting high, and enjoying everybody's company. Hundreds gather to hit high notes, enjoy munchies, and play games. But organizers say Niles Cannabis Festival was focused on education. We educate the public, we provide information, and we do roundtables with the politicians to help them understand the pros and cons of legalizing. There, there are cons. You, you need regulation, and the state should be involved because if you have bad products, it makes people sick. You know, you can't can't be a responsible stoner if you don't know what you're doing. For us, it's it's just another way to educate the, the community. Organizers provided 100 free tickets to the Niles Senior Center, another effort they say educates a generation that grew up with the negative stigma of marijuana. Organizers hope to let that population know that cannabis might help certain conditions without bad side effects other medications may have. What cannabis does, it actually gives people their life back, right? It gives them their life back. Why would we not want to share that? Beyond education, marijuana brings in the green for the local economy. It's a great way for us to bring, you know, people and money into this community as well. So we brought seven dispensaries, we have five bands, we have five food trucks, we have 22 vendors. Highly recommend, I was just thinking this on the way here, because of just like seeing how many amazing local dispensaries there are here in Southwest Michigan. A festival that can blaze a trail for future events like it. Where we're at in 10, 15 years, who knows? It just depends on how events like this continue to go and how us being in different municipalities make an effect in the community. I think that's the biggest thing. We want to make sure we're here local, we're shopping local, we're buying local. That's that's one of the biggest things that can help. City leaders said this event is a test run for a larger cannabis festival planned for the fall. If they determine all rules and conditions were followed today, that event in September can go forward. WSBT 22's Ronnie Doss reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 